It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 3rd, 2011. We're live on your computer tonight. Thank you for making that possible and being on the other end tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567 in the chat room with other listeners tonight or over email, questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Uh, we're a little late getting started. We had we had some of our typical technical issues, uh, and we're kind of flying blind tonight, Jacob, so uh, we're getting a lot of noise there. I don't know where that's coming from. Well, that's Anthony. Uh, he's on the other end. He's typing away there. That, that microphone is live. Anthony's uh, hey. Anthony's behind the computer tonight. Hey, hey guys. Good to be here. Um, finally uh, broadcasting out on the air. So thanks for everybody's patience. Yeah, and um, and we are we don't have any connection on our side of the desk tonight. So everything's going to have to come from Anthony tonight. Anthony's so. going to pull double duty. He's going to run all the uh, technical connections, and he's also going to monitor the chat room for us. So, Anthony, when you get really... Uh, uh, great comments in the chat room, as we typically do. You chime in and let us know what they are. Uh, you might uh, give Anthony a comment about how we sound and how we look tonight. Is our connection uh, good enough that we're getting out? We Hopefully we are. Well, well, we were off and on and off and on just right up to start time, so we may not hold on. Uh, hope we can. Uh, All right. Uh, we have a good uh, good uh, discussion tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about problems, but not uh, technical problems. I think we got an important and necessary subject tonight, Jacob. And it, the idea for it came from an article that was in the news just earlier this week. Uh, I have an article here from the Citizen Times of Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, they reference uh, a, a police issue in the small community of Fletcher, North Carolina. Here's what it says. Associated Press, Fletcher, North Carolina. A dispute over leadership at a Henderson County church has turned from angry words to fist fights. About 30 police officers from five agencies were called to break up fights Sunday at the Greater Greater New Zion Baptist Church in Fletcher. Henderson County Sheriff Captain Jerry Rice says the brawl is under investigation and no one appears to have been seriously hurt. Rice says there were about 75 people at the church when police arrived, but not all of them were scuffling. Church well, that's mem- good. Yeah. Church members were divided over the recent ouster of Reverend Livonia Ray as pastor of the church. The fighting apparently began over whether a vote should be held to reinstate Ray. No charges have been filed. Mm-mm-mm. So yeah. there's your newswire out of Fletcher, North Carolina. And... Uh, just the idea of that, that, that a, a church of any stripe could break out into a brawl, I thought surely would serve as a legitimate reason for us to talk about how we should correctly handle trouble when it comes up in the church. Well, now, they actually got in, into it physically, but uh, I'm afraid I've been in uh, places where uh, they were pretty close to that. Well, they actually started throwing fists. 
But there's been a lot of times and in a lot of places where brethren were really just as guilty. They didn't actually physically brawl, but right. they, they certainly had wrong attitudes and bad dispositions and, and acted sinfully in the way that they dealt with issues in the church. And so it is worth talking about how these kind of things should be handled properly from a biblical perspective. And so that's what we want to do in our study tonight. You sent out some questions earlier today along those lines. Earlier today, we sent out questions to our update list. As we always remind you, if you're not on our list and would like to be, just send us a, an email to questions at collegeview.com. And the questions we sent out earlier today were these. Number one, what do you think are the most important biblical principles to remember when dealing with conflicts in the church? Okay. Number two, what lessons can we learn by studying how the Jerusalem church dealt with a serious conflict in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7? Number three. And number three, what lessons can we learn by studying what Paul wrote to some Christians at Philippi about an issue between two members in Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3? So we got, we got two specific cases, two New Testament cases, where there were problems in the church. And Jacob, by the way, what that proves to us right up front is that trouble is a reality. Yes. It was back in the first century. There are issues. There are problems. There are things that will have to be dealt with. It's always been so. It was true with those churches that were even under apostolic direction. And so we should not be surprised to know that churches have problems and the problems will have to be dealt with. But what we got to do is look to the Bible to find the right way to deal with problems and not allow ourselves to fall into a sinful conduct like in that denominational church in North Carolina. But i got to say, Jacob, as you have indicated, there are a lot of churches of Christ that have uh, had folks act badly uh, in various times and places. Okay, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Or send your comments in via the chat room tonight. Anthony is monitoring that for us tonight. Anthony, anything to throw in yet? Not yet. Just uh, uh, some discussion about your uh, your appearance and uh, oh, and some, <laughs> that might be some yeah disparaging remarks. But, uh, <laughs> that's about it. Well, okay, thank you. Great, Keep those great. over there on that side. We don't yeah, need to hear that. Yeah, that that'll hurt our that'll hurt our self image, uh, Anthony. So okay. you just read those and keep them to yourself. Okay. All right, now. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, first off, that uh, there will be conflicts, and that's interesting that you say that because um, I think that um, maybe some are, people are of the uh, opinion that uh, in, in religious, in, you know, in a church, there's just going to be there's just going to be peace and harmony. That's not going to happen just by default or just by accident. No, and uh, again, I would point to the scriptures that talk about people having issues, uh, uh, certainly individuals are going to have different opinions about things. Uh, uh, it, it's necessary for us to have absolute agreement about doctrine. But when it comes to personal opinions and judgments, we're going to have some differences. Uh, we, we have to make allowances for those differences in judgment. We're dealing with people, Jacob, who are going to come uh, from different stages of spiritual development uh, there are going to be personality differences. There are going to be various kinds of misunderstandings. We're human, and those kind of things are going to happen. You know, I take some consolation in in the fact that even Barnabas and Paul, yep. two, of the, two of the greats in the New Testament, two great men of faith, I mean both of them, and they had, they had a disagreement uh, of such magnitude that they deemed the best thing for them to do is separate and, and work in different directions. Uh, and I think they handled that. Correctly, I, I, I don't believe they sinned in the matter, but the fact that they had a difference, those two great giants of the faith had a difference, 
indicates that we ought to expect to have to deal with problems from time to time. You know, and I don't think that having a peaceful congregation is just something that happens by chance. You just get the right personalities together, and it just sort of melds, and now you've got peace. I think peace happens as a result of what we do, and it is the responsibility of each and every Christian, regardless of the personalities that are there. I think that's right. We've got to, we've got to make it a goal and work at it. There, there's an old, and I know probably everybody listening has heard this, there's no perfect congregations. If there is one and you find it, don't join yourself to that congregation because you will be the element that causes it to then not be perfect. Right. Uh, we, we have no perfect congregations. We're all Every congregation is made up of humans. Humans have their own unique uh, characters and qualities, not not necessarily sinful ones. Uh, we we all we all combat temptation and sin too. But even if not even talking about sinful things, just our personalities, our own quirkiness, and so forth, can cause points of friction that will have to be worked through. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com. Send your comments in the chat room tonight. Now, Barnabas and Paul had this conflict. Did they then, was Paul being a hypocrite when he told people in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, to endeavor to keep the, uh, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? Was, was Paul violating his own teaching there when he told us that we need to maintain peace when he had a conflict with Barnabas? I don't think he, I don't think he was, uh, I, I don't think he was being hypocritical or contradicting himself in that. I actually think he was following that practice. In other words, in order so that there could continue to be a good brotherly relationship between him and Barnabas, it, it was the best call for them to head in different directions. They were both still doing the important work of the gospel, but they were doing it in different directions, and, and they were able to continue peacefully in that way. I think that I think that, that was a move to maintain peace rather than coming to some kind of a sinful conflict. So we're going to have conflict. And just having conflict in and of itself is not a sinful uh, situation there. The way that we deal with that, then, I guess, is what you're saying. We, are, we must all be committed to maintaining peace when those conflicts arise. That's right. I think that's right. All right. Let's go through a, through, uh, let's go through a few things, Jacob, that uh, in answer to our first question, what are some important biblical principles in dealing with conflict? And I think conflict resolution, the skill to be able to resolve our conflicts is an important thing. Uh, so... I would put at the top of the list, Jacob, when, whenever there's an issue, we've got to be completely locked into the fact that truth can't be compromised. Right. In other words, if, if the issue involves a matter of doctrine, uh, then we, we can't give in and we can't compromise and we can't just go along to get along uh, kind of thing. And, and a really good verse on that is in Galatians chapter 2 at verse 5. Paul uh, spoke of going up to Jerusalem uh, to deal with the issue of circumcision for Gentiles. And there were some of them there who were trying to insist on that in Jerusalem. And Paul, but Paul knew the answer. He knew that it was not the truth of God to demand Gentiles be circumcised. And his attitude about compromising with those people who were trying to insist on that, in Galatians 2, verse 5, he says, To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. No compromise. Now, we will not compromise any matter of truth in order to be at peace. That's got to be a first starting place. Absolutely. And uh, God does not want us to have peace at the extent of and at the cost of our uh, doctrinal purity. That certainly cannot be. Exactly right. All right. Let's take a break. And when we get back from the break, we'll continue the discussion. What do you think? Is it a sin to have a conflict 
or if it's not a sin, where does the sin begin? And uh, how do we handle those things? What are the most important biblical principles to remember when dealing with conflicts in the church? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Send them in the chat room tonight as well, and Anthony can field your comments there. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. Us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to Him. Here at the College of the Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Welcome back to the program tonight. We're glad you're on the other end of the line, and we're glad that uh, you're studying your Bible along with us as we talk about an important issue. Uh, we're talking about issues in the church, conflict, and how do we handle that? Because it's going to happen, as we mentioned, it happened between Paul and Barnabas, and that's only then reasonable to expect that it's going to happen between others as well. And, Jacob, you already mentioned that keeping peace has to be a priority. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 says we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We've got to work at it. It, as you said earlier, it, it, it's not something that just comes along accidentally. We have to put forth effort. And you don't get a free pass on that. You don't get a pass, a, you know, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace if you're not dealing with a real tough character. But if that guy's a knothead, then yeah. just go ahead and just right. have it out. Yeah. No, exactly right. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna involve, Jacob, necessarily going to involve... Taking the time to sit down and talk it over with someone if there's an issue. Uh, instead of talking around behind their back, which too often happens, I think that the, the vast majority of problems and misunderstandings between brethren can be resolved if we go directly to the person that we have the issue with and talk to them. I don't know how many times through the years that sort of thing has happened to me where people... I found out after the fact that they were upset with me for one reason or another, mm -hmm. but they never had said anything to me. Mm -hmm. And then when 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 it when we got around to investigating it, turned out that they misunderstood something that was said. You know, preachers are going to be in that sort of precarious situation because we have a lot to say, and 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 sometimes people can take it wrong. Sometimes we can misspeak, and if if you'll just ask. For clarification, a lot of times that can be solved. All right. 877-381-4567 is the best way for your comments to be heard tonight as we are somewhat limited on our 
ability to monitor the chat room and email tonight, but we'll be glad to take your comments at questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room tonight. Anthony is monitoring those. Anthony, your thoughts that you're gathering so far? Yeah, we've got to appreciate everybody's participation. We've got several verses that have been shared and some comments. Dean uh, says along, uh, along the lines of what you were just talking about, Greg, it uh, says some conflict comes about from a simple misunderstanding of what was said. Um, and that sort of thing, that's definitely true. We've got uh, lots of scripture verses here that have been tossed out, uh, Jude 21 uh, through 23, um, 1 Corinthians 11, 19, and so forth. So um, appreciate everybody's participation. All right. Uh, well, Dean does uh, sort of lead us into our next comment, and that is the idea uh, that we need to give others the benefit of the doubt. You know, um, a lot of times when you're in a conflict, you immediately assign the worst motive to the, the person you're in, in, having the conflict with. And uh, we need to realize that uh, others are trying to do the right thing and uh, that uh, we need to give them the benefit of the doubt when we're having a conflict. I think that's exactly right. When we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 the characteristics of, of love, the way love ought to act and conduct itself, uh Notice some of the characteristics of love that if we would do this, we'd solve a lot of problems. Uh, love does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not, notice, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, uh, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. You know, if, if I assume the worst about my brother at the very first sign that there's some trouble, I, I don't love him like I should. Mm-hmm. And so I got to be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I got to at least be willing to check it out uh, and go directly to him and try to resolve it if there is some issue. All right. I agree with that. If that... I got a problem with Anthony, it is not helpful oh, if that... I talk to you about it before I talk to him I know, about but it. it's Anthony for granted. <laughs> uh, you're exactly right. And, and we immediately assign the worst motives often when we're in a conflict with someone. Um, we also need to realize the difference between judgment and doctrine sure. and, uh, and realize that when it comes to matters of judgment, my judgment is not going to be right all the time. Yeah, you know, I think as human beings we are inclined to think that I have my opinions are best and everybody ought to think like I think. It, what a wonderful place to be if everybody would just line up with my judgments. But that's not reality. I mean, and it's not going to happen. And if we're going to be humble and submissive, we've got to be willing to to understand that sometimes, first of all, sometimes somebody else might be right instead of me, and other times I just need to submit, even if I even if I still think that my judgment is better than his. I ought to be willing to submit to his if it's no compromise of truth. All right. And uh, we need to be willing to uh, let others have their way. Um, First, real quickly, a verse on that. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. And so we need to be humble enough to say, I can do it your way. It doesn't have to be my way. I think I, I have a way. I have an opinion. It's not wrong for me to have an opinion. You have a different one on matters of judgment. But when we begin to fight over getting our own way, then we got a problem. You know, um, we, no one has an opinion because they think it's bad. Yeah. I don't have personal opinions about what car to drive or uh, what kind of uh, shoes to wear. I don't say, oh, that, that's a bad pair of shoes, and so I'm going to wear those. Nobody has a judgment. Uh, that they think is a bad judgment. They think it's the best. The best is right. Right, right. obviously. 
But uh, we need to realize that uh, just because we view that way doesn't mean that others view it the same way. And we don't do that in other walks of life. For example, when you're at work and the boss tells you to do something you disagree with, you think it's a bad judgment call. You don't say, that's it, I'm out of here, I quit. And you don't get in his face and get ugly because your your job would be in jeopardy. But when we get in in the church, we feel like that's the right way to handle these. When our souls are in jeopardy. Well, that's true. All right. Uh, Anthony, any other comments in the chat room so far? Uh, Yeah, we have a comment from Devin says, sometimes our pride gets in our way in dealing with issues in the church, and that's that's definitely true. and Dean says the Bible tells us what to do if we have an issue with our brother and what to do if we know that a brother has an issue with us. Unfortunately, we want to wait till our brother comes to us instead of doing what God has commanded us. All right. Good comments. Appreciate those tonight. Keep them coming. And, again, the best way for your comments to be heard tonight is to give us a call. Do it the old-fashioned way. Let your fingers do the walking. 877-381-4567. That is toll-free. It won't cost you a dime. And you can share your comments with the group tonight. You know, uh, sometimes when we're in the heat of the battle and in the heat of the moment, uh, our judgment gets blurry and uh, things become uh, difficult for us to, to sort out. Um, perhaps it would be good when we have the conflicts that are going to arise if we were to get someone else's opinion and someone else uh, to, to assist us as we navigate those times. I, I think so. And and I think that the scripture suggests, you know, bringing in an, a, a third party to mediate mm-hmm. if, if it comes to that. I think mm-hmm. in Matthew chapter 18, beginning verse 15, that that sort of procedure is set forth. Uh, a couple of, I've got a couple. That's of, where we would take someone with us when we go to resolve a conflict. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think in the book of Proverbs, there's some advice along that line. Proverbs 11, verse 14, where no counsel is, the people fa- uh, people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Okay. So, again, over and over again, we're told that we need to have uh, the input of others, not just go flying solo on our, our decisions. Exactly right. All right. And then I would also, uh, we're just trying to pile up a whole bunch of biblical concepts that are important in dealing with conflict. And another one, Jacob, is we've got to avoid being bitter or, or resentful or establishing a grudge, carrying a grudge. <clears throat> and sometimes I think brethren are pretty good about doing that. When we do it, we hurt ourselves, we hurt the Lord's church. Uh, it, it's just a, a, a harmful and negative thing. To be bitter and resentful and carry grudges. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, we carry around these these grudges for years and years. <laughs> you hear people who's, who maybe older members of the church say, "Well, they always do this or that to, to, to me. They never listen to me." And the, the grudge, he's been doing that. Yeah, I've known yeah, him for fifty yeah, years, and right. he's always been that way. Yeah, right. Uh, that's exactly wrong. James chapter five verse nine: Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Okay. Be careful about holding grudges. There's one other thing I might add is that there are no excuses for you personally not behaving as you should in a conflict. Yeah. A lot of people, times people believe that uh, if, there, if, if there's a conflict, then all the rules just vanish and you can act any way that you want. Well, there's he no, did it first. Right, right. You know, he got ugly first, and so I was just responding to what he did is, right. is the kind of justification that people offer. And, that, and, and, again, that doesn't work either. There are no excuses for you to, to fail to behave as God has instructed. We've got some comments from our listeners to your we question. We were able to field some emails before the program started. We're not, getting it, we're not able to field our emails tonight. Well, Anthony's feeding, filling them, I hope. 
Have you got Have you got email up, Anthony? I do actually do not have email up, but okay. I can we're work right, on that. Right now, we're blind on email. Anthony's so. going to work on that. He's got you got too many buttons to push there tonight. Anthony's got all the controls tonight. So. You can have my mouse if you want. I'm not using it. <laughs> I need some extra arms okay. tonight. All right. All right. Uh, uh, on this On this first question, we're dealing with Bible principles to remember when dealing with conflicts in the church. We got Jim from Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, who says. Both Matthew 7:12, the golden rule, and Colossians 3:17, which says, "Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord," are both important principles. Both describe not only our conduct one to another, but also the necessity of God's word, His authority as the rule in everything we do. So we've got to have God's authority, and we've got to treat each other the way we'd like to be treated. If we did that, the problems would go away. All right. Good points, Jim. All right, uh, we have Chris from Atlanta, Georgia. He says, remember who we belong to, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 23. Remember how Jesus taught us to treat fellow Christians, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, accept one another and make an effort to preserve unity. Determine if the issue is a matter of salvation. If it is not, then seek the solution that will best preserve the unity and not violate Scripture. Some situations require you to agree to disagree, while others would be similar to Romans chapter 14, 13 through 23. So what Chris is saying is don't compromise on the doctrine. You can compromise on matters of judgment. And situations that are a matter of salvation and or violate Scripture must be dealt with quickly and firmly. He references Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, uh, but he says no, it must be done in love. Uh, he references Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Bottom line, we should let love of one another guide our motives and actions if we truly love someone then we will do everything in our power to help them, even if it means exercising tough love to protect their soul. If we have an unselfish love of the Word of God, then we will strive for unity in the body and focus on our main objective of spreading the gospel. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate your comments. Thanks for listening and participating in the virtual. Also, I've got an email from Roger in um, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He says the main thing we need to remember is glorify God. When the Apostle Paul urged the Corinthians to, quote, live to the glory of God. He was not talking about one hour on Sunday morning. He wanted them to show God honor and bring him praise in day-to-day life, especially by the way that they resolve personal conflicts. See 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Gently restore. Jesus is clearly calling for something much more loving and redemptive than simply confronting others with a list of their wrongs. Similarly, Galatians 6, verse 1 gives us solid counsel on what our attitude and purpose ought to be when we go to our brother. Is quote, brothers, if anyone... If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Our attitude should be one of gentleness rather than anger, and our purpose should be to restore rather than to condemn. Good points, Roger. Thank you. All right. And we have an email from Mohan in snowy Chicago, Illinois tonight, who he's... He's commenting on... He, he's snowed in. He's, he's at his computer, and that's probably the only place he can get to right now. Okay. He says... Uh, he's commenting on the, the, the fight that broke out. He says, as a comment, these people are certainly not showing Christian character. Talking about the people in North Carolina right. that we referenced at the start of the program. Right. These people are certainly not showing Christian character. The fruits of the Spirit include love, patience, uh, long-suffering, etc. We should be humble and not be prideful when dealing with conflicts and handle it in a godly way, not in a worldly, ungodly manner as this church did. All right. Good point. And we got an email from Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee. He said, I, I think about passages like Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I think God knew that we need relationships with his people. That's partly why he told us to assemble and exhort one another. The Greek word for exhort is parakaleo. We'll take his word on that. Uh, uh, Strong says that it could possibly be translated as to call near, that is to invite or invoke by imploration, uh, hortation, hortation, I don't know what that word is, mm. or consolation. 
Beseech, call for, be of good comfort, desire, give, exhort, entreat, pray. All of those things are actions that we do to one another. Unfortunately, if half of us leave as soon as the service is over, this doesn't give a chance to encourage or even get to know one another. Maybe if we knew each other better, we wouldn't get so mad at our brethren. I think that's important. I think we need to develop close personal relationships with our brethren. You know, if, if, if a person's your best friend, Jacob... You're not nearly as likely to get mad at him. You give your best friend a lot of leeway. And even if even if he's wrong, you, you deal kindly with him and you and you get back to where you need to be. But if you don't have a relationship with the person, a lot easier to really get mad in, in a hurry. All right. We're going to take a break and get this week's bullet point, and we'll continue the discussion on the other side of the break. We want to look at those examples on the other side of uh, conflicts in the first century and how they were handled. We'll start off with the one in Acts chapter 6. With the church in Jerusalem, they had a problem. They had a conflict, and it was starting to heat up. How did they handle the conflict? What lessons can we learn from that? We'll talk about that on the other side. Give us a call at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com and join in the chat room tonight. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Winston Churchill is remembered as one of the great motivators of the past century. His leadership qualities were a deciding factor in helping the British people through the dark sours of World War II. Later in life, Churchill was invited to return to the preparatory school he had attended as a youth. He was to address the students, and they had been told to expect one of the greatest orators of all times. Their instructions were to listen carefully and take notes. Churchill's speech to the student body was incredibly brief. You, no doubt, are familiar with the entire text of that speech. Sir Winston said, Young gentlemen, never, 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 never give up. That was it. No more. But it was a message that could not be forgotten. Others have pointed out that the key to success is not necessarily talent or training or luck. It is patience, persistence, and perseverance that wins the prize. This principle also applies in spiritual pursuits. We've known of some incredibly talented folks who've given up. And we've known of others who've received the finest opportunities but have simply quit. We need determination to continue on no matter what comes our way. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Don't whine and drop out at the first sign of adversity. The book of Hebrews was written to Christians who were tempted to give up. The words of encouragement written in that book are needed for us today. Phrases like, cast not away, therefore your confidence, and... You have need of patience, or we are not of them who draw back, or even let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The message in that book of Hebrews and the message we need today is never give up. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Coleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight, and we want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, perhaps you're listening to this in the podcast version, we encourage you to check out thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find out more about the College View Church of Christ. We've been trying to play with the website a little bit this week. Jake, we're going to try to do a little bit more of that. There's uh, two or three uh, video sermons up on the website now. If you go to the Bible Studies page, and and you can find some video sermons if you're interested in that sort of thing. We're going to try to do some. That's good. You've been doing some nice editing on that. Oh, well, uh, trying to do some different things, so we'll see if that helps. Uh, By the way, Jake, a little house house cleaning here. Mm -hmm. You know... 
two weeks ago and then again last week, we talked about those who were speculating about the end of the world and signs that they claim are leading to the end of the world. And we interviewed a a fella named Paul Begley. you were here, Anthony, for that. Well, see, well, That's well, right. He yeah. was from Indiana. Well, he was, yeah, he was from northern Indiana. That sounds about Around right. Around Gary, I think. Yeah. And he, he was the one who was trying to make application of Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, that talked about the animals dying. Mm-hmm. Birds, we, fish, cows. Cows. And uh, we concluded that we believed he was making a, a, a false and unmerited application of an Old Testament prophecy to the modern day. Mm-hmm. But one of, the, one of the points that he made... Uh, to to try to prove his point was that there had recently been an episode in Wisconsin where 200 cows died in one one pasture field. And he said 200 cows don't just die, I think was his quote. Yeah, and and so some of our members were telling me last night, and I forgot, and now our Internet's down here. I can't do it, but if you're interested in that, get on the Internet and search. They were telling me that it's been determined that those cows died because they ate sweet potatoes, mm. and it was toxic to the cows. They figured out why they died. It wasn't a sign from God. It was something in their diet, which was what we suspected all along. But uh, you, you might do an Internet search for that, the Wisconsin cows and sweet potatoes, and see if that doesn't come up to show why those cows died. It's not a sign of the end. All right. Well, that's uh the, the sweet potatoes got them. They'll get you every time. Oh, yeah, yeah. you got to be careful about All this. Right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's crazy. You learn something every day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're talking about conflict in the church and how do we handle that. Uh, what do you think? Let us know your thoughts. Again, the best way to talk to us tonight is over the telephone, 877-381-4567. There are some conflicts in the New Testament, and we can learn some valuable yeah, lessons. Yeah, we want to quickly look at a couple of them, and we asked some questions. Number The question number two that we sent out to our update list was, what lessons can we learn by studying how the Jerusalem church dealt with a serious conflict in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7? This is a good one to study because the apostles were involved in this resolution. That tells me that uh, even though apostles were in the church, there's still going to be problems. And uh, this wasn't very long after the church began. We don't know how long, but uh, it wasn't long. Um, and now there's Let problems. me read the episode, Jacob, from Acts 6, beginning verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Parmenus rather, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in, Jer- multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great number of the priests were obedient to the faith. Okay. All right. So, the, so what do we see in that episode, Jacob? Well, it was starting to get ugly. Yeah. Now, but the, and the apostles were there. It's not like this was some preacher that nobody liked. These were the these were the inspired apostles, and they were uh, they were criticized. Now they didn't. Uh, the apostles didn't say though. You guys are just wrong. There is no problem here. They didn't dodge the criticism. In other words, they were open to the fact that some people got a problem here. Okay. Well, they, they just didn't. They just didn't dismiss it out of hand and say, "You all are wrong. We're the apostles. Get out of our way." Okay. So they, they admitted that. Okay. Um, that's interesting. I think that another thing we see there in verse 2 is that uh, 
they put the problem before the congregation for their input and help. Uh, notice that their first response to there being an issue brought up was that they called the multitudes of the disciples together. And so uh, they didn't sweep it under the rug. They didn't try to keep it behind closed doors. This is a thing that, inf- that affected them all. They got everybody together to talk about it, to get, to get the matter uh, before the congregation, to get input and help. I think that leaders of local congregations, the elders, for instance, would do well to understand that you know, they, they need to be open to the input that others can give. Now, ultimately, the, the leaders will have to make the final decisions about what's going to be done, but the leaders need to be open to that input. All right, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. The chat room is being monitored by mm-hmm. Anthony tonight. Yeah, uh, well, there's, we sort of had a sidebar discussion going on in there, definitely a, an important discussion going on about uh, perhaps an elder that, that may be in, in error and, and need to be confronted. But I just I did want to... Uh, throw out. I did search on that cow story. Going back, we just can't get away from that. But yeah, apparently it was uh, sweet potatoes that killed those cows. And not only that, but uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has claimed responsibility for deaths uh, of a few thousand starlings because they put out some poison. And uh, so yet another mass animal death that's explained. So, so we're getting natural explanations, yeah, not supernatural ones. Unfortunately for Paul. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so. Very good. Right. You know, the, the sidebar that's going on in the chat room uh, may be along the lines of what we were just making. Here's the apostles, and they were criticized, and they didn't dismiss the criticism. They called the congregation together to get input to try and come to resolution. They were they were open to that. You've got to be careful when you're talking with elders, though, because you've got to make sure you're applying the rules that we talked about earlier, and especially you've uh, got to be careful when we're dealing with the elders that uh, we count them worthy uh, of, of, the, honor. of the honor they're, they're due yeah. and uh, that we uh, don't accept uh, an accusation about them uh, without suitable witnesses. Right. But uh, any elder that is uh, qualified for the role that he, uh, and the position that he holds is going to be willing to accept correction if it's needed. And he's going to be uh, willing to accept the concerns of, of the members as well. He, yeah. He's not going to be closed off from them. He's going to be willing to, to listen. Uh, but notice the, the apostles there in Jerusalem, they did not forget what their priorities were. They, they said it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. In other words, we got, we've got an important work to do and it's not reasonable that we should leave our work to do this other work they kept their priorities in line all right and they also put it back on those who had the problem to help come up with a solution yeah anthony that's an important thing i think you made that comment recently here in the bible study that if we're going to have uh, if we're going to make uh, complaints we need to also uh, propose solutions right uh, you know we were talking about uh, the idea of murmuring or being ungrateful in Bible class, talking about the Israelites in the Old Testament. And, you know, in the business world, uh, you hear over and over again that if, if you've got a complaint or a problem, then you need to bring a solution along with that. You know, just uh, empty complaining it, it doesn't really do anybody any good. So um, you know, we need to have the right attitude. And if we really if we really think there's a problem, then we need to uh, put some thought into what the solution might be. Anthony, if your boss... Uh develop the opinion of you that all you ever do is complain and you never do anything to help make things better, 
My guess is you'd be out on the street pretty soon. Exactly right. And so, uh, you know, that that's just a good common sense principle that is applied in the business world. It would certainly be applicable in, in the church. Now, how are they going to fix the problem? What kind of solution are they going to come up with? Well, in the case of the, that church in Jerusalem, they sought qualified, trustworthy men who could help solve the problem. In other words, we got a problem. We need to we need some men to address the problem. Let's pick out people who have qualifications that would equip them to do that work. Okay. Uh, and so they did that. You know, they didn't just assign. They didn't just haphazardly assign any Tom, Dick, or Harry to this job. They they sought out men who had unique qualities that would equip them to do what needed to be done. That, that makes sense, too. And they also prayed about the, the, the situation. That's an important uh, component that we may need to make sure we remember. Yeah, it's mentioned twice in the text that they engaged in prayer. So when we have problems, what's well, one thing that we can do? One thing that we can all do is that we can pray about it. All right, and then they got busy working the plan. Exactly right. And I think it's interesting there when you're studying in, in uh, Acts chapter 6, the chapter starts out with a problem. There's an issue here. This is a very young church. They're in the very infancy of Christianity. This is just starting up. And this pretty significant problem hits them. They deal with it. They handle it appropriately. And verse 7 says, The word of God increased and the number of the disciples was multiplied. So by handling it right, instead of being a devastating problem to the church and, and suddenly they're losing members and the thing's falling apart, because they, they handled their problem properly, Things got better, and the church grew as a result of doing that. I think we could have the same experience if we apply the biblical principles. Jim in Mount Pleasant must have been sharing notes with you because his uh, uh, analysis of the situation in Acts chapter 6 closely mirrors yours. He says lesson number one is we identify the problem. Lesson number two, define a solution that includes those capable of handling the problem. Lesson three, don't talk it to death, but once the solution is designed, begin to act upon it. And lesson number four, leadership needs to be involved in defining the problem but need not be involved in executing the solution. They don't have to do everything, and members should be expected to take part when asked to help. Right on. Exactly right, Jim. I believe that would preach, Jim. I think you got four points for a good sermon right there. You may have already done that. (laughs) All right. And uh, we got Chris in uh, Georgia who says, there are so many lessons this teaches that a paragraph or two cannot do it justice. The disciples showed great wisdom. They did not get caught up in the bickering and did not choose sides. They recognized there was an issue and did not berate one side or the other and place blame. They focused on quickly getting down to the true issue and came up with a solution. My takeaway from this is, one, listen to this, identify the issue. Two, come up with solutions. Three, implement the solution. Four, do all this while maintaining the integrity of Scripture and preserving unity. Their outcome was the word of God spread and the number of disciples grew. Conversely, if they had, if they had played the blame, blame game like we do today instead of focusing on the issue at hand, there could have been a split. I think your notes must have leaked out earlier today. Everybody's... Yeah, right. Well, well, I, just, I do think that that's a really great text, and I have preached a sermon on that text. I think others have, obviously, as well. I think it's... Uh, but I think there's, uh, as Chris just said, there are so many good lessons in that text. And uh, Roger in Murfreesboro says, where to begin? What they did not do is, A, that apostles did not take over. B, they did not throw out the ones who brought up the problem. C, the ones who brought up the problem did not start a new church. What they did was, A, determine the solution, B, let the leaders keep working, C, they knew how to handle the problem, uh, how they handle the problem will have an impact on the community. 
We need to remember to be like Christ at all times. It is amazing how often being Christ-like is thrown out the window when controversy arises. We bully, threaten, make a scene, and carry on in such a way that we completely damage the name of the Lord by calling ourselves disciples. There's no time when we can stop living like Jesus. We need uh, to always look for solutions. I believe solutions are available if we're willing to look for them, and we are willing to surrender our rights for harmony. We, need, we can remain sound to the doctrine of Christ while realizing that we do not need to push our liberties on others. Okay, very good. Thank you, Roger. Excellent point. All right, we need to take our last break, and when we get done with the break, we'll talk about another conflict that arised, the church in Philippi. What, uh, what lessons can we learn from studying about the Christians at Philippi? We'll take that uh, discussion up on the other side of the break. Plenty of time to take your calls your emails, or your comments in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, website, remember that you can hit control F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit control F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship? That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Welcome back to the program tonight. As we talk about conflict in the local church, how do we handle that conflict in the way that God would instruct us to? It is not a sin to have conflict. Conflict occurs in congregations. It did in the New Testament. It will today as well. Uh, the sin occurs when we don't handle it correctly. We want to look at what the scriptures teach us about that tonight. Exactly right. Uh, uh, it, it is a reality, but dealing with that reality necessitates us to apply the right biblical principles. And certainly that example that we started out with of a Baptist church in Fletcher, North Carolina, actually having a brawl and, and they had to call in the police. There, was, there were 75 members and it took 30 police officers. 30 to, police officers. To, I missed break, that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, wow, it was, was a, a significant There was some fight. scrapping going on. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, but as we said, if, if many times Christians have sinned, they maybe haven't come to blows, but they've sinned in the way they've dealt with their conflict. So we need to do it right. Time to take your call, 877-381-4567. Let's hear from you tonight on the phone if you'd like to share your thoughts. Have you seen uh, instances when this uh, the scriptural pattern was not followed for resolving conflicts? 
Have you seen where it works? And you'd like to share that. Let us know your thoughts. Um, again, we're, we're, we're a little shorthanded. We can't get directly to our email or to the chat room. Anthony over there uh, at the control board is able to see them, but we're not. So we're not getting to, to use our chat room comments as much as usual, and we apologize for that. There was uh, a problem in the church of Philippi. There was a problem in the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning verse 2, Philippians 4, verse 2, Paul wrote, I exhort Euodia and I exhort Syntyche, or Syntyche, I've heard it said both ways, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yea, I beseech thee also, my true yoke fellow, help these women, for they labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, we don't know what kind of problem there was between those two women, uh, but certainly Paul said they need to get it right. They may have been arguing over who had the weirder name. Or how to say uh, <laughs> Yeah, so maybe they, they kept mispronouncing. You keep mispronouncing my name. <laughs> Uh, but uh, what we find out is that the situation was urgent. Uh, the, the word translated exhort, he says, I exhort Euodia and Syntyche. The word exhort there literally means to call near, beside, or into the proximity of, and is rendered appeal to, urge, exhort, encourage. Actually, this is the same word that Wade referenced us earlier. Sure. Uh, Paul entreated them to resolve their difficulties. One must not let the sun go down on his wrath, Ephesians 4, verse 26. And so, uh, you know, there was an issue, and it should not be put off. I think that's one of the problems we have sometimes in the church. We let it smolder. Yeah. I've I've been mad about something for you for the last, you know, several weeks. I haven't said anything yet, but I'm just looking for my chance to bring it up. Well, I'm keeping a list. Yeah. Uh, And whenever whenever something happens, I'm going to pull it out and we're going to we're going to go to blows. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Um, And we also see here that Paul addresses both parties and uh, it takes two to have a fight. And uh, both and, parties and, need to be on And it guard. takes two to really get a, a situation resolved, too. You right. know, as you said earlier, Jacob, I should do what's right, even if you don't. Mm-hmm. But in order to get this thing really right, we both need to get busy working on it to, to resolve it. Okay. All I think, right. I think that's uh, clearly there. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, we've got principles set forth by the Lord on how to resol- resolve issues. Uh, we mentioned earlier Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. I go to you directly. If that doesn't work, I take two or three with me. If that doesn't work, bring it before the church. So th- there's there's a methodology there in dealing with personal disputes. I think sometimes people misuse Matthew 18 to try and insist that that procedure be followed when a thing is public from its inception. You know, I don't think Matthew 18 applies if... This is something that's already known by everybody before it even gets started. But if you and I have a, a, just a private individual st- a conflict, then that's where it needs where the where the process needs to start. All right, and uh, this had gone beyond though just the the private matter. This was something that uh, needed to be brought to the attention of others, and Paul got others involved, and he looked for others to help with the situation. Yeah, and uh, we ought to be willing to do that as well. Yeah, he said uh, in verse three, "Yea, I beseech thee also, true yoke fellow." Help these women. In other words, he called upon them, the two women, to get together and and work out their problem. But he saw that they likely would need some help, and he encouraged this man he refers to as a true yoke fellow. Nobody knows for sure who that was. Uh, A lot of commentators think it was Epaphroditus who was the the messenger, the courier of this epistle, and it it may have been. But but the point is, is still there that... Uh, he encouraged uh, 
uh, a faithful member of the church in Philippi to give assistance. Uh, and and I, th- I think that's important. I think that was mentioned in some of the emails we read. You know, people who are capable or qualified, get them involved. You don't get you don't get somebody involved to try and resolve a problem who has a reputation for fanning the flames and rather instead of extinguishing the flames of controversy. There are some people who just by their very personality and nature just make things worse. They do not make things better. They're, they're not the ones to call in for help. Okay, in you got to use some judgment in, in that. Um, and this was an important situation for Paul. He was uh, he was very concerned about uh, the souls of these people. And we need to realize as well that uh, when there's a, a when there is a disagreement, when there is conflict, it's a situ- serious situation. It's not just it's not just. I think some people look at it as sort of fun and entertaining when there's a conflict. That's not what it yeah. is. There's this is a serious situation. Well, Paul implied that that souls were at stake here right. in this matter, and so you know that that that's why he addressed it in the inspired word. Uh, uh, he he addressed it. All right. Quickly, uh, we got some emails, Jake. Yeah, Jim in Mount Pleasant says. Uh, Paul's inspired response reminds them and us of the necessity of unity and fellowship. In order for this to take place, both sides of any conflict must come to meet where God's word exists and not where they want. Our will must be bent to submit to his will if we have any hope of continuing unity. When this does not happen, then true fellowship cannot exist. All right. Chris in Georgia says uh, even strong Christians can have serious disagreements we should be willing to help fellow Christians solve their differences, especially when it has become a public matter, as I suspect this had there in Philippians chapter 4. Paul goes on to say we should have joy, be gentle, prayerful, and focus on pure things. Perhaps these two sisters had lost their focus. I don't really know, but whenever we have an opportunity to preserve the unity, peace, and love between Christians, we should do so. And Roger in Murfreesboro says Paul did not need to ask these women to agree with the essentials of the gospel, for they did. He did not take sides and ask one of the women to agree with the other woman. He did not ask them to both agree with him on the issue and dispute. He would want them to follow an eternal principle that we can all follow, come into agreement with Jesus Christ as he presented to, is presented to us in the Bible, agree with the way Christ thinks or would think in the situation. Sometimes we need to help others in the church come into agreement with Christ and not with us or one or the other. Okay, All right, good. Anthony, you got some comments as well. Yeah, we've got a couple good passages brought up in the chat room. Uh, Dean mentions Proverbs twenty six twenty, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Great, great verse. Some uh, people like to keep things stirred yeah, up. Yeah, some people live for that. And then we also have, I uh, believe Josh mentions Philippians 2, verse 2, just a great all-around verse when we're th- thinking about conflict. He says, uh, fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. If we can do that, uh, that would go a long way to, to really preventing all kinds of strife. Okay. Um, we also have an email from Anthony in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, regarding the the example uh, that we just spoke about in question number three in response to that. He says uh, that we can learn about having the same mind, uh, this one mind that we are truly striving for and we yearn to be like Christ. It's a true walk, and sometimes our emotions and tensions can cause for ill and irrational reactions. This can not only be applied to our brethren, but to every relationship in our lives. Husbands really need to heed this because it will help us in our love towards our wives. Love is the greatest of all, and when our hearts are directed through love for Christ, people will see Christ dwelling in us and glorify him. We can't do that if we're acting like the world and people that that are self-willed and of another mind. 
We can take away so much from this example because it continues to tell us the importance of laboring in the gospel and being united in Christ. So, right, good uh, points. Good points. And anything else? Is that wrap it up? pretty much uh, takes care of our comments. Well, we're uh, out of time. And, again, we apologize for not being able to get to our chat room comments easily or, or uh, our emails. But hopefully we got something out there that will be an encouragement on an important topic, Dave. Hopefully nobody wants to fight with us over that. Yeah. I'm, we're going to have a throwdown out here in the parking lot right after. The chat room was ignored tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, good discussion. It's important. It's going to happen. we got to be prepared. When we see the conflict arising, we just need to realize this is our test. This is where we prove uh, if we've learned what uh, God wants us to learn. Exactly right. All right. Thank you for your time tonight. Anthony, driving the controls. Uh, a double duty over there, Anthony. Thanks. No problem. It's always a pleasure. And thank you, Dad, for your time tonight. Thanks, Dad. Thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. If you have any questions about the things you've heard on this program or any other uh, virtual Bible study programs in the past, we'd love to hear from you anytime. Or if you have a comment about a topic that would be uh, beneficial to study on a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, or if you know someone who would be willing to let us interview them, or you know someone we should interview, we'd love to hear from you about that as well. Send us a comment anytime, questions at collegeview.com. Visit our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, to find out more about us. And we look forward to you being back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.